Gaming on the Frontier. Trav. And this is Jonathan. Yeah. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where when someone asks you, hey, would you like to talk about God? And you just look at them and smile and go, which one? Or if you want to ask them, hey, you want to come on and talk about your God with other people? And they all say no. Thank you. I have secret information that only a thousand people know about, and they all paid a thousand dollars to find out. Oh, this is what I get for saying we're running this episode, folks. Okay, welcome <laughs> to Gaming on the Frontier. And tonight we are talking, this is a subject I wanted to do probably a couple years ago, and I wanted to have a bunch of SMEs, subject matter experts on it, my friends that were all of the pagan persuasion, and due to the pandemic and other things, and I wanted to have, you know, people full of, you know, in the living room and on Skype, and it hasn't worked out because of the pandemic. So we three are fielding this tonight. It is making and playing pagan characters. Now, we're, we're going to set some parameters here because the term pagan is a very broad term. And we're going to try to also adapt this to Bureau 13, Fringeworthy, and the other Tritech games if we can, especially Bureau 13, because religion does seem to play a, a pretty big part in the background of Bureau 13 with everything from Oh, the old gods are here, the forgotten gods, or you have a combat cleric and he's an Irish Catholic priest. So, yeah, religion does play a decent factor in Bureau 13. And don't be afraid to do a variant because, I mean, come on, look at look at Christianity. All right. We have, you know, we have many, many different denominations. Oh, yes. And it doesn't mean they're not Christianity. It just means that they are focused on certain beliefs and sometimes they uh, they say, no, we don't believe in these other things. But mostly it's because this is what we concentrate on. This is what we consider to be the core of our worship, our acting out of our beliefs. So, you know, and yeah, you can certainly do that with other religions as well. Yeah. Um, well, that's we had the Reformation. Martin Luther, you know, brought about the Reformation. That's why we have the whole Protestant, you know, group of faiths now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know, was Presbyterian, one of the... Baptist, Pentecostal, yeah. you know, yeah. Right, and it wasn't the first, uh, you know, <laughs> division. There was the uh, the whole uh, Eastern Orthodox. Yeah. Oh, that, yes. That happened yes. way before that. Oh, yeah, and my my second wedding was, my first, and, and those of you who know me, I've been married twice. The first wedding was Lutheran. The second one was, well, mostly Ukrainian Orthodox. And that was the one that the aforementioned Cynthia helped because she had dabblings in that back then. And that's one of the many reasons why I care about this one, because she was there for me on that special day. And so Ukrainian, yeah, I was like, okay, there's a lot of stuff different from this first time around that I did this, you know, just, and yeah, trust me, Christianity has branched out because the three of us were all raised Christian in one way or another. And we all know different versions of said faith. And 
there you have, you know, in the Judaism, I, I, heck, uh, Bruce, you met him, wild card. Yeah. He, he's, he's Jewish. Yeah. So it's like, oh no, I've gotten an education over the past 16 years on, on things about Judaism. There's a running joke where we had a Monday night Skype call on Dementia Radio and, uh, Wildcard referred to me as a goyim. I was very drunk. Uh, what the hell did you just call me? And and Sinstrist, another former DJ. Traps settle down. It just means you're a gentile. I'm like, oh, okay, good. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, should I should so now, I should I should I get angry about this? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I did goyim. I never heard the term before. Yeah. So now, whenever it, it's a running joke with Wildcard and myself, who Wildcard now co-owns the station, so he's technically not only my warm-up act. But my boss. And so I whenever Wildcard does the annual Hanukkah show, I will sit there and type in the chat room, yes, please enlighten this lowly Goyim. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, one of my favorite classes in college, I think second year. Yeah, comparative religions. I had a blast in that class. Not a, I'm looking at teacher. I'm, I'm like the Dave Chappelle meme where he's there all homeless and, you know, white under his nose. Yo, yo, you got any more of that 200 level class? You know, just, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it just, yes. I mean, this, this opens a whole new realm of role playing and with the classes I'm, and of course, at least with the core classes, and I'm going to look to see if I have this up now because as you all know, I run four different campaigns, and I usually have PDFs up at one time or another. Uh, do I have? Yes, I do. Okay. And this is a former podcast host of ours, Dr. Nick Palmer of Panic Productions, and he did Modern Adventures. He has, and yes, the tab worked. Uh, they even have a way to change the cleric and the druid. Well, the druid really doesn't need much changing. He says, yeah, the druid, you can use the druid class if you want to play in a modern setting, as is. It's all good. The cleric is the one that they change, adding knowledge local and driving cars and pickups to the class skills. Only proficient with simple weapons, shields, and the favorite weapon of their deity, if any. And then they talk about monotheism. And, and I love the first phrase. Ask a dozen people how they define God, you'll get 14 answers. Oh, kind of like the recipe for coleslaw. Yeah, just, yeah, that, that it's that varied because everybody has their own personal faith. Yeah, he's seen as good, but he could be lawful good, neutral good, just depending on how you see him, just depending on the tenets of your faith and your beliefs. And, and so they talk about, yeah, for example, and this, this is in Modern Adventures, as they say, your mileage may vary. The Christian God is chaotic good, the Jewish God is neutral good, and the Muslim God is lawful good. And that's not considering the various opposing denominations such as Shiite versus Sunni, Orthodox versus Reformed, or Catholic versus Protestant. Yeah, so Right, and roles make a big difference because you don't want, you know, uh, in your ministry to the poor, you probably don't want to, to uh, uh, dragoon the witch finder. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was a real profession. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I I believe it. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying is that you know, uh, Mother Teresa, Witchfinder, that would be a different story. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, gee, well, yeah. See, the Inquisitor class. If you wanted to bring in real world religion, oh no, and I'm again, we're not <clears throat> defecating on anybody's choice of religion here or the religions themselves with this this episode. 
The Inquisitor class, I would definitely see that as a more... I, I don't see a pagan Inquisitor. I really don't. I don't see a Shinto Inquisitor. I don't see... <laughs> I, I would see that, yeah. I, well, considering I think, pagan covers not the, the, the non-big three, I could easily see a pagan Inquisitor. <laughs> Anytime I you think, establish a set of, of beliefs as the rules then people who fail to live up to them or actively work against them are going to be found to be hunted and possibly killed. Well, uh, Here's uh, the thing. Again. I think an inquisitor only can really exist in a society where a religion like that is predominant. Where So if you have a... Where they have intolerance of other religions. That too. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, um, if it's a small okay. tribal level religion you're probably not gonna have that inquisitor but if it's a religion that has grown to become the predominant religion of a i would say at least a large city or city state level type thing then yeah you could definitely see inquisitors showing up then unless yeah, the inquisitor's I, job is to find apostates and you can have that hmm. anywhere oh let, let's see what they have here hmm. uh for modern adventures if you want to update an inquisitor they're extremely rare in the modern world. Most modern faiths emphasize tolerance and cooperation rather than the adversarial zealotry that fuel inquisitors. Still, there are certain remote fringe religions and cults capable of producing the rigorous dedication necessary to create an inquisitor. Alternately, a modern inquisitor might be a member of a more conventional church who is driven by tragedy to hunt not enemies of the faith, but supernatural monsters instead. Holy crap, I got the perfect example of a modern inquisitor. Why didn't I... Friggin' think of this before. Oh, I almost slipped there, folks. That would have been an editing job on whoever did this. Uh, Which would Vin be Diesel's you. movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Vin Diesel's movie, The Last Witch Hunter. Which, yeah. by the way, yeah. that is his character. Remember, Vin Diesel is a raging tabletop gaming geek. He's got like the drow tattoo up on one arm and Melkor is, he wanted to do like a religious based ranger. Well, in Pathfinder, that's an inquisitor. So basically Melkor, this, and, and remember Vin Diesel taught like Dame Judy Dench how to role play when they were doing triple X. She now GMs her grandkids. Well, that's just great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, a modern day inquisitor and and Melkor worked for the Catholic Church and he was long lived. I forget the exact plot and he had like a piece of a demon or a witch inside him. So it kept him alive for like a thousand years. And so he worked for the Catholic Church the entire time. And yeah, the movie had um, Michael Caine and Elijah Wood in it. It was one of the movies right after Lord of the Rings that Elijah Wood did. It's a pretty good movie. And actually, you know, once Vin finally so. gets... Yeah. yeah, once Vin finally gets done with Fast 10 and 11, gets that saga out of the way, he wants to make a sequel to The Last Witch Hunter. It's just he's so wrapped up with starring and producing the Fast saga. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, Inquisitors usually now, ooh, a pagan Inquisitor as in a monster hunter. Well, because remember, like Wicca, it's um, basically do as you will, but do no harm, you know, you know. You do you, but don't go out of your way to hurt anybody. And even the Wiccan advanced class that I mentioned earlier, they do not cast offensive spells. They are all defensive and buffing spells. That's their entire spell catalog. But, oh no, I could see a pagan inquisitor, but they're just are a monster hunter. 
these are things that are not part of nature. They must be destroyed, and I'm going to do so with the goddess's help. That would be a cool thing to have, a pagan monster hunter. Just like demons, devils, um, proteans, psychopomps, sakeels, you know, just all of them. Just stuff from the lower planes that is just not supposed to be here. Okay, who summoned Cthulhu? Right, yeah, exactly. Gotta call, yeah, gotta call some friends. Oh yeah, Cthulhu got or, or excuse me, we must in the Bureau Thirteen pronunciation, Cthulhu, Goshnar. That would be something a pagan inquisitor would be eminently qualified yeah. to fight. Uh, I, I think you misunderstood that. With that's Cthulhu. I, I always saw it as K apostrophe T O O apostrophe L O O, so it'd be Cthulhu. That's not yeah. how I. Okay, all right, that that's fine. That that's you know. Pretty sure there's a that, chew in there. But, but yeah, the, those type of old gods, you know, from you know, the outer reaches of the galaxy, where this when the stars are right, they come to Earth. Yeah, a pagan inquisitor would do real well to just go. No, you're gone. But I want to eat your. No, you're gone. And I know a few of my pagan gamers who would. Oh no, Amber alone would take great pleasure in playing a pagan monster hunter because she is also a practicing witch and just she was there at the pagan temple and I mean even had her daughter in classes there and everything on Sundays and all that. So I mean, yeah. Oh no. Oh, I could see Oh, I could even see Fur doing it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, no. If I were to give Fur a chance to play a pagan monster hunter, she'd take that up in a heartbeat. Um so, yeah, as I said, Modern Adventures by Dr. Nick Palmer, again, a former guest here on the podcast from years ago, does break down how to make, oh, the Oracle. Yeah, the Oracle unchanged. Yeah. Paladins, member of a heretical sector, modern day secret society. Yeah, basically, Paladins and Inquisitors, usually you would see them as like, oh, they fight the monsters in the dark for the Vatican, you know, that type of thing is what I would see Rangers yeah. with their, their knowledge of, of nature and all that. No, they have a lot of spell spellless archetypes and everything and class variants, but yeah, modern Rangers are just, yeah, they're, uh, you could have like a Wiccan Ranger who just also is a guardian of the wild doesn't spend a lot of time in cities, is out, you know, out there in the forest making sure, you know, nature is intact and using nature often to defend itself, you know. So, yeah, he didn't get into a lot of the other, yeah, summoner and witch, yeah. Uh, much like the summoner, arcane practice are just likely make packs with other worldly entities and monitors are in the past. Whether following the tradition of the old village wise woman, a spiritual new ager, or a devoted neo-pagan reconstructionist, modern witches are infrequent but may well be the most common arcane spellcasting class in the modern world. Yeah, so you could do a modern-day witch and just reskin it, retool it, as Jay Haley says, rub the serial numbers off. And that could be a modern-day, quote-unquote, pagan character. Uh, oh, God. Uh, as I said, we did mention uh, Shintoism and Buddhism, and and I am trying to remember if, because there is something here, and watch us. It, it, ah, yep, here we go. 
bringing up Oriental Adventures. No, that's not the, yeah, Oriental Adventures. And yes, we, that that's what the book was titled. We know that, that that's a, a not in, ver, in vogue term anymore, but that is the name of the publication. Uh, as I said, they have holy, yeah, the Shujenja, yeah, the Shujenja, which is sort of a divine spell casters who cast spells by attuning themselves to the elements. Basically, elemental, divine elemental casters. So, yeah, they'll use, you know, earth, air, fire, water, wood, metal. And that's the basis for their spells. They manipulate the natural environment. And they would, they're not, yeah, I'm, I'm reading here from Oriental Inventors. They're members of Rokugan's noble class, but they're not as bound as honor by in the code of Bushido as their warrior counterparts. Yeah, they're they're basically they are divine spellcasters who deal with nature. So that could be another example. You could have, oh gosh, um, like the Chinese lightning wizards. You've seen them, like Raiden's one, and I'm going to you use the, the more modern. The what? The Furies? See, the Furies for me are from Greek mythology. That's what I always knew the Furies as. Oh, no. They, See, they, I, yeah. I hear electric wizards, and I think of Big Trouble Little China. Yes, that, that's exactly. Enough, thank you. That's and they were one. called yeah. Furies. Okay. See, I did not know that. The, I hear Furies, and that was the Greek term, I think, for the Harpies, I think is what yeah, the, that yeah. was. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know. Okay. But yeah, so. Ta ta take, it to a, take, take a Harpy to 11, you've got a Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they break down the Shujenja that uh, they're prohibited from learning spells associated with a different element. So if you, if you, oh, yeah, I want to specialize in air, can't do earth, fire, can't do water, and vice versa. So, and the fifth element they have is void, which is like, you know, nothingness. Yeah. But yeah, that's another example. They also have the Wu Jen. Command the elements, spirit forces, and the very powers of nature. So they're kind of like wizards. They're usually the hermits in Asian society. So like, you know, the old man up in the mountains who, you know, lives by the waterfall and practices his, his katas every day and can do wondrous things. And he's a healer. And But because he has these weird powers, that's why he lives on the, you know, outside of town. A Wu Jen would be another kind of quote-unquote pagan character you could and as i said they're in oriental adventures here you could convert these to there you could use the conversion rules that paizo put out 3035 to pathfinder and convert both the shujenja and the wujen classes to use or better yet you could probably just find an archetype in pathfinder and you'd get the same thing you i mean why reinvent the wheel i mean the the archetypes are there there's hundreds of them for Pathfinder first edition. And so, yeah. Uh, oh, where was that? Uh, trying to think, are we, are we dealing with any other uh, non-Abrahamic religion? I think we did mention voodoo a while back. Again, yeah, and I know that there's different types, including Santeria, and of course there's the Haitian voodoo that we all know. Uh, I did dabble a little bit, uh, not me personally, but I dabbled that. And again, this is most of us either, oh, this is a neat hero idea and it's the token person and there are some stereotypes. Or due to those those various philosophies and faiths, they become a villain. Now, if you remember from Bureau 13 OGL, I made the Miami drug lord that due to his... And I'm probably going to, Hoongan, Houngan, H-O-U-N-G-A-N. 
basically a voodoo witch doctor. Gave Rafael Ortiz, a Miami crime lord, basically the powers of a jaguar or an ocelot. I forget which one. So he was like a felinoid, you know, capoeira. And he had two rings that made him look human again. So, yeah, I mean, I and of course, that was me being young and stupid. Just go, oh, we're going to make this, you know, the cause of villainy. It's like, no, they're voodoo priests do. And and priestesses, because there are. Uh, holy men and women in the uh, the voodoo faith. As a matter of fact, I was just having a discussion with Nymph last week about one of the uh, deities of voodoo faith and uh, Papa Legba. Let's see, how can I break this down for you all how to relate? The 1986 film Crossroads with Joe Seneca and Ralph Macchio about learning to play the blues and the old thing about Robert Johnson supposedly selling his soul to the devil to learn how to play the blues and all of that, you know. Yeah, because Papa Legba was a contract demon. Yeah, I'll give you this, but you're giving me this in return. Usually it was your soul. Now, that's another source of various deities, the whole voodoo pantheon faith, because Papa Legba was just one of them. There were oh, what, the Loa. That was their name, the Loa, yeah. L-O-A. Yep. And so, yeah, that, that, that was um, because sort of, uh, yeah, voodoo sort of came because it's African also. It's where you get these African witch doctors from. And again, they've been stereotyped to heck and back. So, I mean, we, we've all seen, oh, there was Brother Voodoo in Marvel Comics. He came out in the 70s. And again, that was the, oh, we're going to make this character based on this. And yeah, there's probably some stereotypes in it and everything. But I think he was like a modern physician who went back and learned voodoo from like his ancestors. And Brother Voodoo was a superhero in the 70s for Marvel. I don't know if they're going to do that today because a lot of people would probably cry that it's very stereotypical. And But yeah, that was another example of a hero and they used the Voodoo faith. As I said, I was talking with Nymph. As I said, she's now on my Thursday game. And so we had a discussion on religion because she's a practicing pagan as well. And... Uh, we also talked about the Eye of Horus tattoo that she has. So we went from that to Legba. I, I don't still know how that happened. But um, yeah, voodoo could be. And as I said, it's African. It's in the Caribbean. I think it even goes down to South America a little bit. The voodoo faith. Yeah, I think it, it reaches down to South America. It's definitely through Africa and the Caribbean. So that is another example. I, I could see... Miami or down along the, the, the Gulf Coast, a resident bureau team with a voodoo priest or priestess on their team. I could see that yeah. where they, they, they consult with the LOA to try to help them with a case. I could see that most definitely. And I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm trying to, I'm going to probably have to look this up later to see if there are archetypes for clerics and other divine spellcasters that you could bend it to play a shujenja or a wizard to play there is uh if you guys can come up with any other faiths that you could have good examples any faiths or philosophies that would be good at, while i look for this you know this is where you know the the stretching motion we're working for yeah, time like i said I, I, I took um comparative religions when i was in college but 
you know, most of the other religions I've learned about has been in the time after that because uh, they didn't cover anything having to do with Eastern religions or Asian religions uh, or uh, African religions or even uh, Native American religions. It was all, uh, you know, Zoroasterism and, and um, uh, Egyptian and other types of stuff like that. It was very limited. Um, so... Though I'm sure the, the, we, we, we did a lot of reading. <laughs> but uh, most of the people who were there were interested in learning more about their own religion, which was, you know, as you said, was the uh, standard uh, uh, three threefold, you know, Christian, um, Jewish, or um, uh, uh, Islam. But uh, uh, I, I, I'd like to talk about, you know, how your religion... Uh, is of your character is going to impact the game, especially okay. other characters, because we only have like about a half hour left. So, yeah. um, you know, in in uh, I think the deities and demigods in the or it was at the back of the original. Um, uh, I'm sorry, G, uh, 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 GM's guide. They had like for each of the religions, they had like twenty or thirty religious holidays or festivals that were associated with each of the religions that were in uh, the in the book. I think it was probably was the Deities and Demigods, and you know if everybody in the in the game all took a different religion, then there probably wouldn't be a day go by or a week go by before someone had some religious observ you know, uh, observance to take place. So that would mean that, and if you were in a cosmopolitan place where there were lots and lots of religions being uh, uh, publicly practiced, then you would have just enormous uh, uh, trade, not trade, um, businesses that supported these kinds of things. I mean, there's the special breads, there's the incense, there's the, uh, of course, the idols themselves, uh, there's the scrolls, uh, there's the, the clothing, uh, there's the possibly pharmaceuticals, and, and uh, Gaming on the Frontier does not support the use of unlicensed pharmaceuticals, no, no, but no, certainly no, no, no. in your RPG game, there might be some of that going on. Um, you know, uh, various wines, um, possibly uh, people hiring themselves out to sing or chant various passages of holy text. Um, so I'm just saying is that there's, you know, I think that uh, role-playing games are basically, they suffer a dearth of this. They don't it's like it's not even there. It amazes me sometimes that there isn't more of this stuff going on. And I, and I blame basically the, uh, uh, the developers of the game. They don't actually, it's not something they would probably sell directly, but it's one of those things where it'd be really great to have a calendar of, you know, of all this stuff and all the requirements for all these things so that you could basically say, oh, look, it's the first day of spring. What's going on? Okay, so we got the Druids doing some some sky-clad stuff, and we've got the Shintus, you know, opening up their temples, and you've got the Christians who are uh, celebrating Easter, you know, and you've got the Jewish, which I don't know what they do on the first of, you know, of spring. Um, but I'm just saying is that then you've got the people doing the... Uh, 
uh, the various uh, fertile uh, rituals or prayers or whatever to fertilize the land, you know, to, to ask the, the, the powers that be for a great harvest, you know, or that the foals of the, the various lambs and, and other type of livestock uh, uh, produce their offspring without harm, you know, uh, asking the deities to ward the flocks so that they keep them away while they're in this moment of, of uncertainty and, and where they can't, you can't run very well when you're dropping a baby, okay? Just every, every, every species knows this. <laughs> Yeah. With the with the exception of the cockroach, which is perfectly fine by dropping an egg sack as it runs for the hills. See, I I get what you're saying. I think the way I've always kind of rationalized that is, anytime you do get to a a large settlement or large city that it takes on this cosmopolitan attitude, I think practicality wins out over strict religious dogma almost every time and you'll see these cities pretty much do like christianity did as it spread out across you know europe it'll just have a lot yeah they'll co-op the the dominant religion will co-opt all these festivals and holidays into itself and everybody will be celebrating uh, you know, the spring festival, although specific religions might be focusing in on one or two specific aspects of it, the entire community will all be celebrating at the same time. Well, yeah, just in different ways. I mean, mm -hmm. the, it, as I said, it's, it, it's amazing that Easter is usually near the spring equinox and the winter solstice is just before Christmas. Mm, yeah. Coincidence? I think not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I... What, okay, what did we say Halloween is near again? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> well, I believe it's All Saints... All Saints Eve is the 30th. Yeah, and then... Yeah, yeah, and... Oh, no, no, as I said, with the number of, of, of pagan and Wiccans that I know and witches and just... Yeah, no, this stuff blows up my feet every time. Oh, it's this... Oh, okay, yeah, and oh, it's Beltane. It's, you know, it's... Uh, we just celebrated uh, Maybon, which was the the vernal equinoxes. Maybon. Now I know Beltane. Yeah. yeah, that's that's sometimes characterized as a festival. How can I put this delicately yet indelicately? A festival of freakiness. We'll put it at that. Um, yeah, just. I would. So, I would I honestly mean, say that any fantasy story or any story that has you know multiple religions that haven't all been like main ma mainstream religions we'll say in any world that haven't been co-opted in one way or another within a large community i to me that actually seems unrealistic i think you will not have any major city with multiple religions that haven't found some way to compromise and work together so that all their festivals uh occur about the same you know the same well, time a lot of, of year. with how we are a lot of our festivals all do coincide with equinoxes solstices excuse me 
and and just yeah so i mean here we're and just generally that's and i see that in a lot uh for my friday game i use the the Aerith setting from goodman games the original dungeon crawl classic setting and they have all their festivals on the solstices and the equinoxes so i mean that that's just how you know because those are important times of the year back in medieval times Oh, spring equinox. Oh, we can start planning. It's not oh, frozen. Yeah. Even even going back to, you know, this, I guess maybe not Stone Age, but like the birth of agriculture. As soon as any, you know, civilization starts planting crops regularly, yeah, those seasonal changes are going to be of massive importance and religions will adapt to that. Whatever a religion might have been around before, if it survives into an agricultural age, it will adapt to those season equinoxes and, and well, they have to because that that's how they survive. They have to have good yeah. harvests, or otherwise they're not going to make it through whatever passes exactly. through their winter. And that and that's the thing. I mean, we still here in America follow and and I'm not trying to start an argument about how schools are run or anything, but our school system is still run on an agricultural society. We have the summer off because the children would be working in the fields for their parents. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and we've already moved from that to an industrial age to an information age. And we still have our school system based on an agricultural society. We still like get those kids are still got to go out and get jobs. Well, get that summer job, except for the fact is that we have Japan in Japan. They start their school year in January and yeah, they take a short break in the middle of it, in the middle of summer, but they uh, keep cranking all the way through, and then they take a big break in December. So you know they 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 they're you know they were big agricultural, but they you know didn't do it. They didn't do it the way we did it. We you know uh, you know I mean strangely you know and it may be the urbanization, but. You know, you'd think that in, you know, if anything, it would be, uh, you know, there'd be a long break, you know, in the middle of winter because it's, you know, snow and bad weather and all the rest of that stuff, you know, too cold, you know, to to go to school and such. But uh, apparently they didn't. Uh, Uh, Where do you think that you and I, Bruce, got from our parents how our parents went to school? You know, the old thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, up up and down the mountain in snow both ways. Both ways in the snow and and how, and my dad will never listen to this, but we're going to do the, and, and he and I ended in unison when we do the, yeah, I did this, and we ended in, Ate dirt and was thankful for it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's the whole thing. No, you could go to walk to school in the winter. Yeah, you know, you're however many miles to the the one the one room schoolhouse. <clears throat> and I am lucky for is not sitting with me right now because she just gave me that look like shut up. Yeah, but no, it the, the agricultural society. Yeah, it's still we're on here in America. We're still on that. Because we based our society around the equinoxes and the solstices and the growing seasons and all that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of religions, and I see this in fantasy games, based everything on the solstices. Because most fan- most games, tabletop games, are in sort of what they call the quasi-medieval. And that's how they just ran their, that's how we knew they ran their societies. On growing seasons. 
in the winter, you didn't do nothing. You stocked up in the fall and hope to survive. And, oh, oh, it's thawing. Thank God we made it through another winter. You know, the, the seasons or the lunar cycle. Oh, that's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and again, uh, especially Druid, Druidism and Wicca. Oh, no. Moon. Yeah. The whole lunar, the whole but, lunar cycle. Oh, that's another yeah. thing. Yeah. But locally, really... most most, you know, lunar worship or rituals will occur at night when you're not supposed to be out working so it doesn't affect your day job well yeah and also so your you know, society you can... doesn't have to adjust to, to make room for it well yeah the whole thing is and you can be sky clad and not as many people see because lack of lack of light yo um notice that we don't have well up until recently we haven't had an observed holiday for halloween it's halloween is the last day of october no matter what day it is monday tuesday wednesday thursday that's Halloween. yeah it, it's just it, it's not like a federal holiday or anything it, it's a cultural yeah and it's sort of and let's see as of this taping it is in another 20 so three and a half weeks yeah so yeah I, my yeah. house is all decorated <laughs> you know and, boy, and the, see boy the holiday rush yeah yeah and, and i got a lot of you know uh pushback from you know the people of my faith uh about halloween and i and and i thought about it for a while and i said you know this is the one time when of the year when everybody basically considers the possibility that the supernatural was real and we and you you should use that you should you know uh you should celebrate that fact you know that you know people are still be able to believe in magic. They're still be able to believe in unseen gods and angels and devils and all the other stuff. It doesn't and matter. You're, you're you're saying this to who again, Bruce? Other Christians. Yeah, yeah. See, I okay. don't know because I mean, in my area at least, you know, Halloween is when all the local churches do their, you know, their. I can't remember the trick term. or trunk or trunk. No, yeah, no, no, no. They do haunted houses. They do haunted houses, but it's very much about a, uh, a proselytizing oh, form of it. Oh, you know, gateway to hell houses. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Yeah, I've never no, gone I'm, to one of those because I didn't want to give them my money. <laughs> up, up here, I noticed they started doing, I think it's trick or, tr or trunk or treat. Trunk or treat. Yeah, we have yeah, that, that down that, here I, in Georgia. I, I noticed that over the past few years, at I passed like about four or five churches on my way to both the previous job and this one. On the main drag, Merriman, there's like, I think, Catholic Church, Methodist, Baptist. Yeah, and I see various Halloween things that they have going for the kids. And yeah, it, it's to get them more involved into church function. They'll weave in their stuff as they do. I get that. That's how they roll. Fine. but. Yeah, I mean, if you sit there, and, and let's face it, Halloween is quite pagan. And yeah, you trying to explain to fellow Christians about that, yeah, that, I, I just, <laughs> how'd that work out for you? Yeah, um, because again, people are, can be that, they, they live the faith, that third thing that you talked about. And so, yeah, that that's just, heck, I had a friend of mine who, atheist, and she was dating uh, now late friend of mine and druid practicing druid and she came to me and was just she was actually trying to convert him i'm like okay religion is a deeply personal and subjective part of a person's psyche and their core and their soul yes you are atheist fine you don't believe in the concept of soul fine that inner core of your being religious beliefs are deeply 
ingrained. You're not going to convert people. If you try, that's just going to make them buckle down more. I mean, we're talking and dig the heels in like a glitter boy ready to fire off his boom gun. For those of you who get the rips reference. And just, yeah, it was a long discussion she and I had over Facebook Messenger about that. Because I knew, I'm like, wait a minute, you're trying to convert him and you're crying. I, I can see why. It, it, like beating your head against the wall. That's not going to happen. Um, the one thing I've heard about the non-Abrahamic faiths is they are, over probably the past decade, they've had like just a raging influx of new adherents. As of late, just when when somebody's saying, "Oh, this faith and this faith," uh, don't don't believe the hype. I've been hearing that the pagan faiths, the v- various pagan faiths and philosophies, have just been getting new blood over the past decade. Well, yeah, I think because with the advent of the internet and a, and a sort of a global society, people people are hearing about other faiths now that well, that, they probably never and, heard of before. And, and that okay, that is part of it. Also, we understand that there is a certain faith that has had. <clears throat> You know, a, a world-reaching faith that has had a massive scandal open up with them. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people become disillusioned. They have crises of faith. They realize, okay, if this is happening in my faith, what, you know, okay, then that, 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 that seed of doubt, it, it's not just been planted. It's been pounded into their ground. And I would and say that's probably, yeah, from the same reason that people are more informed in general. Yeah. And so, yeah, they can hear about the scandals within their own church or hear about the other churches out there. Yeah. Crises of faith. And so they, okay, well, what's this over here? Oh, this is, you know, they, uh, they worship the natural universe and they worship, you know, you know, they, they see the divine in a sunrise to them. That's divinity. Oh, let's try this. It's something I worship. I know it's there. I see it with my own eyes. It's not something that I'm told that's there and I have to believe it. I see it with my own two eyes. Okay. And so, yeah, it's just as much as I wanted to do this particular episode, I also knew I had to get on my size nine tap shoes because there are certain aspects of this. I don't think I w- that we've said anything here tonight that, you know, would cheese anybody off. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, in the game itself, probably, you know, it, the biggest problem you can run into sometimes is when you get the uh, the wavings thing where my God's better than your God kind of thing. And I always find it so tiresome. Uh yeah, you know, but you'd see that happen a lot in D and D and other types of things like that. And uh, well, in in oh, excuse me, in in like in character. Yeah, in you character, got a, cler- a right. character of uh, a cleric of Hironius and a cler- car- Greyhawk setting, folks. A cleric of Hironius and a cleric of Pelor. You're going to have some differences of opinion. Yes, your clerics are as spend. Let me just say, kicking butt for the Lord. But, yeah, they're going to have differences of opinion. So, yeah, you're going to have the role-playing. But when you bring in, there is that chance bringing in real-world fates may start where your GM has to have a bucket of water ready to throw on the two players to separate them. And that is the one, one of the problems I've had where I've had someone who is deeply religious, Christian, and then paganism is brought in and they're just not having it. And I'm like, you do realize this is a game. You know, you're, you're playing a different character. Unless this character is as deeply religious in this faith as you are, yeah, this is where you separate player from character knowledge. Because I, I don't need a, rel- a holy war at my table. That, that, that No. And just, yeah, it, it's, as I said, I mean, with this episode, there was that slight chance I said, okay, we're talking about this subject. And it's one of those subjects that there is going to be somebody 
somewhere listening to this recording who they may not agree with a certain aspect of this. And as I said, we weren't trying to rile anybody up here. We Our main thing with this episode that I've now wanted to do for two years and my SME just popped on. Oh, crap, I didn't see your message. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. I'll do <laughs> you Friday at the game. But yeah, it's just, I wanted to do this for a long time. And as much as I wanted to have a round table of people here all sharing my microphone, I wanted Goth Bunny. I wanted Perky Goth. I wanted Fur. I wanted Amber. I wanted Carrie, which is the one that just now I am me. I mean, and I wanted to have all these women here. Heck, if I could have got Cynthia Day on Skype, I would have. And I would have just had SMEs left, right, and center all around me. This would have been a much livelier discussion because, yes, all of them are pagan, but all of them have their own different views and methodologies on how to practice their beliefs. And just uh, with the pandemic and just other things, yeah, it, it's us three. We, we, I hope we've done our best. Yeah. Well, I'm with... thrilled when players bring this element into the game. Okay. I mean, sometimes, you know, usually when the GM does it, it's part of a plot device. It's, it, it, it's, it's their plot hooks and things like that. But when the players do it, I really enjoy that because, you know, it, it shows that A, they're getting into their character. B, they're understanding that their, their beliefs, you know, can actually cause uh, conflict and or new relationships uh, in the game. They can drive the drama. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, it, it's an opportunity for them to explore their own beliefs or the possibility of certain things like justice, mercy, uh, faithfulness, uh, tolerance, intolerance, uh, all the you know, revenge, all these things are part of religion, uh, you know, and, and, and a lot of times, you know, if they're trying to deal with it in their own lives, you know, then this is a way of uh, sock puppeting uh, their exploration. And who knows, it might give them, you know, the, the, the gaming group and the adventure they're in might give them a sounding board on how to work out certain things. Just, you know, it's like, okay, I'm having this problem and, you know, the GM just happens to go, oh, wait a minute, I can try this and this, and, you know, just tweak it this way, yeah, it might work. No, um, probably the most fun I had running a campaign with a character of a pagan faith was again she is in my maze world and is playing basically a mary sue me and her are playing mary sue she's playing a pagan cosplayer and i and for sake of i'm playing me yeah internet radio dj problem is the world went belly up so there's no internet so but amber in the previous campaign the time lords and magic one where it was doctor who mixed with world of darkness she played the hippie water priestess and she was pagan and she was our buff expert. Yeah, she had offensive spells because there were just th times certain things had to die. But she was our healer. She was our protector. And coupled with when Jeff DeRep and Josie were here and they had Severus here, Amber took to, and of course Amber's a mom. So in character, because she was the mother figure and kept us all alive, and then I, I dubbed Amber the name Big Mom Energy. And <laughs> But I had so much, yeah, I had so much fun running the campaign with Fieria because after a while she's like, okay, I want the one spell where just I've had enough of everybody's crap and I'm ending this battle now. So she had a, a chance to have an epic level spell. 
And I think we mixed icy pr- mass icy prison with cone of cold. Basically, no, you're concocting the spell. You're going through the time. You're doing this. Okay. And there were we're in battles and everything, and we had all our various characters, and some of them had backgrounds from the world of darkness veins. And of course, Perky Goth played her version of a Gallifreyan Time Lord. And okay, fine. And the battles run, and just Amber gives me this look like. This is the moment where I have had enough of everybody's, and okay, we know what spell she's casting. Just lays waste to everybody, and here it is. This is the pacifist. This is the water priestess. This is our healer and spiritual advisor in the group, and she just nuked all of you by turning you into ice crystals. This is the nice one, and you honked her. (laughs) And I just had so much. Because she she brought in her own faith into the character. Yeah, it was a Mary Sue character, but it was where there was enough vastness where there was very little of Mrs. Amber Allen. And it was she she changed it to fit this character, Fieria. And just yeah, but that that was again, it was like, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm all about peace and love. But there are just sometimes some people and things just have to die. You know, just it's the circle life. Death is a part of it. I'm willing to help perpetuate that to keep the universe going you know just so yeah i i had a lot of fun with with amber running that character because she brought in her deep pagan beliefs into it and i'm trying to do a little more with this this cosplayer that she has we haven't delved into it that much yet we will as this campaign goes on this maze world 1.5 that gene and i are running uh, perky goth and i but yeah just so far, I, I've had a lot of fun adding various non-Abrahamic aspects into characters into the game because it's another avenue than just, well, I'm playing a cleric or I'm playing a druid because druidism is just a very small facet of what we would call pagan faiths. As I said, I mentioned five or six of them earlier in this episode that are used in the Otherverse America game. And just, yeah, I mean... Have you two had characters that they've they've been not only player character well I could be somebody playing a pagan character and they they're not pagan or vice versa just anything of that with you two I still don't understand your question I'm sorry I had an atheist play a Christian <laughs> okay that might work as far as that I mean but, you know yeah I think that's the farthest we had a, as far as a uh, someone playing outside their own faith is yeah I had a, a an atheist playing a uh, you know, Catholic priest. Oh, okay. All right. And and to give credit, he didn't do it stereotypically. He he. Good because that to, yeah yeah do it right. Uh, okay, Bruce. What I mean is, um, have you just had someone play a pagan character that was that deeply the, the their beliefs were that deeply ingrained in the character concept? Well, I mean, I, you know, uh, in in B, in our beer thirteen game, I've got a care uh, a guy who's playing a uh, paladin of Themis, the uh, Greek. Um, um, not God, as she's a uh, the ones before Titans. Yeah, she's a Titan. So, and basically, he went into a coma, and uh, for a long time. And when he woke up, and while he was in a coma, he basically connected with with her, and she's a goddess of justice, and he really, really wanted justice. And so, when he woke up, he was now a a paladin of Themis, and goes, you know, does a lot of stuff having to do with his religion. However, he doesn't do any, like, specific rituals or holidays or anything like that, probably because the player wasn't able to find anything like that. Yeah. At which point I say, well, I mean, make it up! 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could also model it on things of of the ancient Greek pantheon, since you know the Titans are the progenitors of the pantheon we all know. You know, Zeus, yeah. Apollo. And yeah, you could extrapolate from there. And when all else fails, again, remember solstices, equinoxes, lunar cycles. Yeah. They're 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 everywhere. As I said, uh, Bruce, if you want. I could send, uh, uh, we'll talk about that later as far as the information I have, if you would like to pass that along to them to help them out. Okay. All right. Um, so, yeah. Let's see. Ooh. Yeah, about, I think we can wrap this up since we started a couple minutes early. All righty. Yes, that was me lacing the fingers and bending them backwards, crack the knuckles and wiggling the fingers to do the outro here. Making and playing pagan characters, again with the air quotes, and it's really bad. I've gotten so used to live streaming my show that visual stuff doesn't work here. But you know what I mean. The all-encompassing term we've used for this episode to basically include non-Abrahamic religions. Again, Islam, Judaism, Christianity. It's great if you want to play them. That's fine. Again, you do you. That is what Play what you're comfortable with. Or if you want to go outside your comfort zone, play the type of character you want. How you feel that you want to do. Either you're, what you're comfortable with or to try something new. A pagan character often brings a new energy to the game, puts a new spin on old standards in the game, especially something like Bureau 13. Again, the default religious class is combat cleric. That combat cleric need not be of a Christian faith. You could have an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. You could have a, a, a Muslim Iman, I believe the term is, yeah. Or you could have, you know, it based on the region and country. If you're down south, again, a Haitian voodoo hoongan. Or out west or down south, Native American, again. And, of course, the various uh, witchcraft, Wicca, Druidism. And we've mentioned Shinto. We, we mentioned Buddhism, I think, a little. Uh, yes, there are so many religions on this planet that can be tapped for ripe opportunities for role-playing. And this could be in any type of game, not just urban fantasy. You could run across them in Fringeworthy. You could run across them in FTL because of the fact that over the past 450 years now, you've had humans colonizing worlds and they took their religions with them. We want to, I mean, in FTL, Oxamano, the Brazilian dictator, took his people and just a bunch of ships and went out into space. What's to say there's not some uh, Yanomami culture out there that found a jungle world and they're living, living, living their best life, as they say. Using different religions and philosophies as a basis for the background of a character in a role-playing game just brings all sorts of new energy to the table. Do your research on it. Make sure that, you know, you're not playing a stereotype if you know people in your local pagan community consult them say hey i'm thinking of playing this type of character in this game <clears throat> urinate me a large body of salt water on the subject you know what i mean i'm trying to keep it pg here and just it will open your even learning about this new faith will open your eyes on the comparative religions of our world which as i said you it, it, the the number is staggering and it will bring new life to your game and new insight for everybody involved, not just the player playing it, the other players at the table, the game master. Everybody's going to gain new insight from this, this new aspect of 
religion, and spirituality in the campaign. If you have questions, comments, constructive criticisms, or you decide to do this as a thought experiment for your game, which we're all about the thought experiments here at Gaming on the Frontier, we want to know if you all listening use our ideas in your games three words feedback 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 fans of gaming on the frontier podcast bureau 13 agents everywhere fringe worthy rpg fans on facebook that one worked too because you can use a world where oh this religion took off instead of christianity in this country or whatever uh itunes because this podcast is dropped on itunes leave a comment there uh of course the podbean site tritechsystems.podbean.com comment again comments constructive criticism your results if you try this and let us know because we want to know and again we've had it where people have made comments they've ended up on the podcast so you never know um <laughs> and don't keep, and don't let that make you afraid to comment either we won't right, bring you yeah, on the podcast if you don't want to is you're going to be on the microphone if you yeah. send us feedback. No, no. This, this isn't one it's of those, of uh, you know, is, 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 is this is not an evangelical <laughs> uh, subterfuge. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but, but as I said, I mean, all three of us here were raised relatively Christian. Well, varying, our mileage is varied. But we've also opened ourselves up to what else is out there and have dabbled in it in varying degrees for success. And of course, there's all sorts of stuff out there for anything OGL. I've mentioned a bunch of them, and as you know, my resources are pretty vast. I've had 30 years of doing this. Of course, as you know, we will have more for you next week. But until then... This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.